So for the fall season, we're covering two series that we're going to do. One is Hearing God, which we're starting tonight, and the second one is The Purpose of the Church, which we'll go into in a number uh, of weeks. And uh, if you want to track along with us in our Hearing God series, you know that we usually end up going through three or four books. The first one is Dallas Willard's Hearing God. That's the first one that I'm going to present some of the material from tonight uh, in case you want to track along. And we'll put the books up eventually so you can follow along. Obviously, I usually get ones from different perspectives. So that's where we're starting from tonight. I want to hear from you tonight. I want to do as little talking as possible. You know that I can talk forever, so it's up to you to prevent that from happening. Because I want to collect your feedback tonight on your honest feelings about hearing from God. So let me frame first just what we're doing. We have already done two series that have come very close to the subject we're covering. So the first series is we did a, a quite a long series on God's will. And in that series, we were trying to figure out specifically, what is God's will? And we looked at God's moral will for us. We looked at God's sovereign will for all people. And the question we were wrestling with, is there such a thing as an individual will for my life? Could I figure it out? And if you remember, this is probably going to be an oversimplification of eight weeks. One of the things we came up with is it's, there's probably not some sort of minute-by-minute minute message sent to you to figure out what we do. We're not robots. And we're not even meant to get those kinds of instructions. That was one of the strong things that we came out of that series. And of course, when I say that a lot of times, Christians kind of push back and go, wait a minute, I thought we we're supposed to be seeking out God's will to figure out every decision in our life. That's why we did that series, because that's where we started. And as we went through the process of really looking at the verses that may or may not support that, we kind of came out in one way saying, Maybe God doesn't really send us all of those messages. Really, we are responsible to make choices based on what God's abundant moral will is in His Word. And He's given us responsibility for making good choices in stewardship. But it left a question open. Okay, so He might not have a minute-by-minute -minute message for me, but does He speak to me at all? And we didn't answer that question. The other series we did was really a questions about prayer series. We took another eight weeks and just took all of the questions that people gave us on cards about prayer and we went through the questions. And there were a lot of questions that we answered, but one that seemed to come back over and over is, does he actually respond? Does he speak to me? Can I have a conversational relationship with the Lord? And we never quite answered that question. We got close to it a couple times, and people actually objected to the idea that God might be speaking to us. So while we've come close, we've never actually hit this subject head on. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks. We're going to be doing a few different things. You know that you are going to give me feedback and interrupt as much as you want to. That's what we're here for. But actually in two weeks, we're going to do something we haven't done in Exodus, and we're actually going to, in Sunday night, kind of break up into smaller groups to actually have discussion in the group here to share our experience much more personally. But I still want to hear your experience to me tonight. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions to get us started. Does God still speak to his people, and if so, how? I'm not going to trick you and say, let's hear all of your answers, and then we're going to have a series that corrects all that. We're not doing that. That's really the focus of the series. 
Does God still speak to his people today? I know that the subtext of that answer is probably, I hope so. I think most of us would probably feel like I'd be really bummed if you said the answer was no. I think all of us feel like I wish the answer is yes. I want the answer to be yes. I want it to be a, oh, yes, and here's how. Okay, so the reason we're doing this series is because I think that even though every single one of us wants the answer to this question to be yes, absolutely, most of us would have a hard time answering the how. Most of us in our own felt experience would probably say, yeah, I mean, theoretically, I want the answer to be yes, but if you were going to base it on my life, I'm not sure my life would serve as evidence of that. Anybody feel that way? Anyone really feel strongly like, nope, totally good. You could use my life as the example of how God speaks to us today. So this is the ultimate question. Let me ask you a subset of that. And I had you think about this last week, but not answer it. Now I'd like to hear from you tonight. If you could regularly hear from God, let's not get into a debate about what regularly means. If you could regularly hear from God, what would be the purpose for why you want to hear from him? If I could say that God is going to speak regularly to you, I think most would say, that would be great. Now tell me why you would want God to speak to you. What's the purpose? Yeah. One of the things I want to know is, like, am I on the right track? Maybe not even like a minute by minute, but just am I in the right direction? So you want feedback. Like, how am I doing? Like, is there something I need to think more about, less about? Okay. Yeah, Tiffany. I don't know, and I would want to hear um, answers about things that I'm uncertain about. And that could be anything, you know, uncertain about the future, about, you know, how long Ben and I are going to be married, like this, like all that kind of stuff, like that's what I would want assurance, I guess, from God about things that I'm worried about. So is it unfair to characterize that as like, I'd like to know the outcome of things? I'd like to know how things turn out? Okay, Morgan? I think last week when you asked this question, at least one thing I thought about <clears throat> was um, like in scripture, when, when did Jesus hear something audibly from the Father, which was at the baptism and, and that, you know, that proclamation, you are my beloved, with you I'm well pleased. And I kind of thought about that and just my desire and I think all people's desire for a relationship and well-being is actually maybe I might not have said this before, but now I would just want to know that I really am loved and that I'm secure. You know, I mean, like that. Not so much because I, I am futuristic with Tiffany and Ben and a lot of other people. So I mean, there's certainly a draw there to be like, tell me everything. You know, like tell me everything. So sure, but I mean, I think if I had to choose between the two, I think I'm now at the point where it's like, you know. I just want to know, like, whatever happens to me, whether it's good or bad, or I think I'm a mess, or whatever it is, like, you, I'm okay with you, like, because, I mean, I think that really made an impact on Christ's life, and I think, if I knew that with, with absolute certainty, uh, I, I think that's a very powerful thing. By the way, that same thing was repeated, not just at the baptism, but at the transfiguration, and we also don't know, because it's not recorded, how often the Father spoke audibly to Jesus, like, we know that that was recorded as an audible statement, but it's very possible that their communion is so close that they were actually conversing audibly the whole time. Megan? Yeah, I think I would agree with that. And say, like, for me, I think a lot of times in faith, I get really bogged down feeling like, uh, I, I think that I just did, you know, 
horribly at this, or I was really bad to this person, or whatnot. And I, I think I would want God's perspective to tell me, just like you know, what saying, like what He thinks of me, and like to have Him communicate His love. Because I feel like a lot of people will talk about how much God loves you, but for Him to actually say, "You did that, and I love you, and I still love you, and I will love you." Like, okay, Heather. For me, hearing from God, like kind of all-encompassing because I feel like I do hear from him on a regular basis. It's not always just a notion that I get in my head or some words that come together, but sometimes it's through another believer or it's through a scripture or it's through a song or it's through a non-believer saying something that just hits me exactly where I am. And I know that that's God's way of saying, I love you and I care about you. And I do think that a lot of times when God does that, that that's his main message. It's like that's what I feel the scriptures are about. It's his love for us us needing to recognize that and in the Psalms it talks about God singing over you like he just sings over you because he loves you so much and he just wants you to kind of reciprocate that like Andrew was talking about like, not necessarily like for him it's, it's asking God how his day is but maybe just thanking God for the things in, in your life that acknowledging that he had a place there okay it's Jill I think kind of echoing Morgan and Megan I most of the time, if I were to regularly hear something that was unmistakably from God, I would want comfort. I would want love, and I would want to know that, like, hey, things are going to be fine. I know, like, this is crappy and this is crappy, but things are in control. I also agree with that. Um, I would just wanted to say I love you, like, because you can read that in the Bible, but just to hear it would be a totally different experience. Okay. One of the reasons it's important for us to at least ask the question and seek to answer it is because one of the things I think that happens is if the purpose that we're seeking communication with God is not one of the purposes that He wants to communicate with us over, then we're expecting to hear something and we're kind of maybe looking in the wrong place to say it in a crass way. Just as an example, and I'm not even saying this example is true. We're going to have to decide on it's true. If, for example, the way that we want to hear from God is so that we can receive direction from Him, but God is not in the directing business in that particular thing in your life. If God has said, I've given you a brain, I've given you my word, I've given you a lot of things to make this decision. Make this decision in stewardship. But we're expecting to hear about it we may get very frustrated because we've set up a purpose for which we want to hear and we're not hearing anything in return. Now that's a big if because we have to determine together how it is that God might be speaking and for what purpose. Or even for those who said, I'd like to hear that God loves me. I can't imagine this to be true, but if God is saying, I'm not telling anybody that, <laughs> then we would be waiting a long time thinking, why isn't God speaking to me? Because the way we expect him to speak is not the way or for not the purpose that he's coming at it. So it's just something to think about, at least so that we can watch. I think this question is important. Why does God speak to us if he does? Why is he interested? And it may be different in each person's life. And it may be different in each phase of your life. But at least we need to ask a preliminary question sometimes, am I even listening in the right neighborhood? before I conclude that he's not speaking. Just something to think about. Morgan? Yeah, I was going to push against maybe one thing that you said, which was you're assuming that people want to regularly hear from God because, I don't know, there's still a part of me that's 
that's even fearful. Um, there are a few times in college, in particular, I remember where people were kind of trying to help me learn how to open up to God and, and like enter into more meditation and different things. And there were times where, in some of my quiet times, where I felt like I was on the verge from literally hearing maybe something on or or beginning something was happening where I actually got afraid and kind of backed out in certain ways. So those could be totally emotional. They could be, you know, things that are. They could be whatever they are, but I'm just saying, like, part of my fear was literally hearing something that I didn't want to hear. There is definitely part of me that wants to hear from God, and there's also part of me that's actually somewhat fearful. Anyone else join Morgan in that thought, that maybe there are times when we don't want to hear from God? Okay, for those people who, that's quite a few people, is it for any other reason other than we don't want to hear what he has to say in, about a specific thing? Like, for example, are there other reasons that we don't want to hear from God? Yeah. I have experienced that backing out because I feel like he's in the words of telling me to do something, like he told something to Moses through the burning bush, to do something that was like insane, you know? And I'm like, I don't know if I can give up like my regular life, you know? I don't know if I can go lead a nation out of like slavery like Moses did. And that's what's fearful. You don't know if you can. Is it also sometimes that we don't know if we want to? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyone else want to contribute why we might not want to hear? I think also that doubt can play a big part in that, where you think, oh my God, the God of the universe, you couldn't possibly want to talk to me. And so we do the same thing, but now I, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, there are some objections that we raise sometimes, and I've heard them, like, he can't speak to us. I mean, some people feel he just can't. Like he, and other people feel he wouldn't. He just wouldn't. I mean, that's not his role. He's just too high and mighty, too glorious to speak to us. He just wouldn't. Some people act, actually say he shouldn't. I mean, it's just not something he needs to be doing. It actually interferes with who we are. Or we've totally misunderstood God and created him to be so much more personal than he really is. And so it's crazy to think that he speaks to anybody. And that people might look at some of you who've said, maybe I've had some conversation with the Lord and think, <laughs> You're just out there. So those objections are real, and we should kind of identify them. Especially if people feel that he can't, or he shouldn't, or probably the biggest one is, he just wouldn't. I mean, this is just a fantasy. You guys just all want to hear from God because you're too self-important. And that's the objection that's said. That, you know, whatever you're hearing, whatever you're feeling, that's just you thinking. And by the way, that we're going to bring up that perspective a little bit later. As I said, we're starting in this book that Dallas Willard lays out some of these materials. And I've kind of extrapolated from what he said and kind of summarized some of it. But we are going to look at another perspective that might actually come closer to that. So we can balance it out. Let me ask another question. Has anyone struggled with not hearing from God? Has anyone actually just said, like, the fact that I don't hear from God is causing me an issue with God? Is anyone there? Or do we just kind of just go, ah, I don't think he speaks to me. There's something wrong with me. Anyone feel like there's something wrong with God? That's an honest thing to say. I mean, he's just not the God that I expect him to be because I sit there and I wait and I wait and nothing's happening. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say that. Read the Psalms, right? Where are you? Incline your ear, O Lord. I'm sitting here waiting. I'm not hearing anything. Anyone feel that way? Okay. Randy? I was just saying, I think we all feel that way sometimes. I mean, because 
I, mean, I didn't hear anybody here say that they do it all except for Heather and maybe you said that you hear from God on a regular basis. So I mean, I'm sure we all struggle with that sometimes. Do you struggle with, hey, I'm probably just not good enough, you're not going to talk to me? Or do you struggle with God and go, hey, I thought you're supposed to be in the business of talking to me during prayer and I'm not hearing anything? I don't know. I'll say it somewhere in between. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah, Ben? I actually struggled with this a lot in college. And I think my original thought was like, I actually questioned my faith. Was, is God actually there? And then it kind of switched to, like, maybe there's something wrong with me. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I haven't really landed anywhere, but I'm somewhere in between there. Did you stay there, though? I, I kind of went more the, like, um, like God still speaks, but just not all the time. Okay. Cormac? Yeah, I struggled in college, too, with this for a long time. Um, and it was being on the side, like, is there something wrong with me? Like, why? Like, maybe I'm just not, like, maybe my faith isn't strong enough, or maybe, like, there's some sin in my life that I'm blocking me from hearing things. I've definitely struggled with this at points, and I think that God's done it to me on purpose at points to say, you need to figure out some stuff on your own, or I want you to reach more into your faith and stop depending on that that base touch of reminding you what you're supposed to do when you know what you're supposed to do. And I also think that sometimes he doesn't answer you because that's his answer, is he wants you to figure it out. And if I say yes or no, then you're not going to figure it out. I think there's a lot of truth in that, especially when it comes to decision-making. A lot of times we're expecting him to make a decision for us. You know, we think we know what the big-ticket decisions are in our life, and that's a point we made in our series on God's will. Like, we think we know what they are. Where I go to school, who I marry, like, those are the big-ticket things. But how do we know that? How do we know that's the big-ticket decision in our life? How do we know that it's not that we went left one day instead of right and it changed everything because we met the person who was eventually going to lead us to a church and a ministry and a who knows or a person and a marriage? You just don't know. God knows. And so it's kind of strange that we decide what the big ticket decisions are, put them up and go, this is it, Lord. If there's a time, show up now. And he's thinking, that doesn't matter so much in the course of your life. It's not going to matter as much as it is that you actually met this person or that you went on this trip or that you actually took this job, although we put job in that category. Oh, Lord, what job should I take? What career should I be? And he might be talking about something totally different that is going to determine the way that you express his will in your life. So I think we start sometimes... Again, trying to listen to him in the wrong neighborhood. Sometimes we're bringing him into what we think is the big decision and he might be saying, decide on your own. Take stewardship for the responsibility that I've given you and the free will that I've given. Because, by the way, that's not actually the greatest decision you're going to make in your life. And you might not even think about the one that is. In fact, I would suspect that some of the most significant things that have happened to you were not ones that you planned out or made big decisions about. But if you look back at the course of your life, you think, wow, yeah, if you just think about that one decision and how many things came out of it. And I didn't actually sit before the Lord and say, which way should I go? I just did it. And if it had turned out any differently, my whole life would be different right now. And that kind of gives us a little bit of like a, a thought that maybe we make the decisions sometimes bigger than they are. Okay? So that we do struggle... Any of us given up, by the way? Anyone just okay living a life where we don't hear from God? You're okay?
No, I'm not okay. I just think sometimes I I fall into just assuming I lower the expectations so you don't get hurt. Okay. I see some head nods like, yeah. Like if we just kind of explain it away. Well, I mean, how many people does God really speak to in the Old Testament, right? I mean, it's not that many, right? It's like big, big people. Moses, you know, Elijah. Like, you know, we're not talking about like every Israelite in the camp. So what if that's me? And by the way, that's an interesting perspective because if we've got just two or three people in this room who've heard from God, that's a lot. If you look at the Old Testament, at least what's recorded in terms of the number of people who heard from God in that way. So maybe we overemphasize what we're hearing, just a thought to think about. That's going to be the other perspective. Any last comments on this? Yeah, um, going back to what I was saying, I think it's kind of a combination of what like, Cormac was saying and what Heather was saying. Like, he's wanted, well, Cormac said he wondered sometimes if there was like a sin in his life that like, kept him from hearing from God. And like, there's times when I knew there was sin in my life that like, I felt kept me from God. And like, I, the, I felt like he wasn't talking to me on purpose because I needed to come back to my roots and my faith and try to move forward together with him instead of just waiting to hear from him because like, I already knew what he was going to say. That's, that was my struggle with hearing from God for a long time. I still struggle with it. I'm, I, mean, I don't hear from him all the time. But I feel the gentle nudges here and there um, that I feel come from him. But that's where I'm at with that. Okay. I do believe, by the way, that sin can clog up our relationship with the Lord. I, I think that that's definitely told us in Scripture. So I, I don't think that you're wrong in that. That doesn't mean he cannot speak to us. It doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It doesn't mean he's not still trying to reach out and call us. But I think that there is an effect that we can't deny, even if it's as minimal as the fact that we run away. That we, in our own shame and nakedness, like in the story in the garden, go hiding somewhere from him. Right? So even if that's the minimum thing, but I think there's even a little bit more of a spiritual consequence sometimes when we know that that's there. We're not dealing with it. All right, here's what I'd like to do now, switching gears again, getting more of your feedback. I'm going to give you a series of six statements, so at least you know where it's going. You can count them. We're getting closer, you know. I'm going to give you a series of six statements, and I want you to just tell me, do you agree with these statements or not? These are statements that I've summarized from some of what Dallas Willard has to say. So give me just your view if you disagree or disagree or just think this statement is just kind of crazy. The first one is, God created us to enjoy intimate friendship with him. Conversation is at the heart of every friendship. The implication here is that if we're to be friends with God, as Jesus says, I now call you friends. Now you really can't have a friendship if he's not really talking to us. And I use the word conversation intentionally because this book, Hearing God, is trying to push us to a conversational relationship, not just one where things happen in our life that kind of direct us. I mean, a conversation. That we would hear from God occasionally, maybe more than that, in a way that we could say is a two-way dialogue. I know we want this to be true. I know we'd want to say, yes, if I was a friend of God, I would actually be able to speak to him conversationally. Yes? Well, I think it's a little selfish, to tell the truth. I think it's kind of self-centered. And I think that you know, we're talking about hearing God in the context of our individuality. But I think that we hear God differently. Uh, not exclusively in that way, let's put it that way. So, but with the weaker claim that it's not, we don't exclusively hear God that way. I think 
we hear God in the voice of the people around us who need our help. I think we hear God um, you know, prophetically through the types of action and the types of behavior that we should have um, as people of faith in the world. So I think that to me just comes off of like, like it's all about me. And that just kind of, well, I don't think it's a bad thing to have. I just think it's kind of selfish. A little bit. By the way, to give you a little bit of background, in this isn't that this is the only way God will speak. We're going to actually look in just a moment at some ways that God speaks in different ways. But the point that is being made here by Dallas Lord is, is unless we really have a conversational relationship with the Lord, we're really not friends. Okay? And you might be thinking, hey, there's that overplaying of the word friends. I mean, it does appear in the New Testament. Jesus does say it to the disciples. But maybe uh, us being that personal and that intimate is kind of ignoring uh, a little bit of the difference between the creator and the creature. So just keep that in mind. Here's the second one. God's communication comes in many forms. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. It doesn't always come in some conversation. It doesn't always come in the audible voice that speaks back to us. Here's a third one. We often have wrong motives to hear from God. The purposes that we want to hear from Him often come from a wrong motive. Like it may be from insecurity. It may be from a need for something. It may be to cover for something else. Like for example, we don't want to read and study the Word or we don't want to sit and make decisions with wisdom. We just want an answer, for example. And that may come from the wrong motivation. Or we want to know the future. Like just tell me. Like I just want to know. Like, I just can't wait anymore. And that may be, maybe, really, I, I don't know. That may be a wrong motive. Depends on the circumstance. Yeah. I definitely agree with that because I do think that sometimes when we want to know the future, it's because in that moment we're not trusting God enough to care for us along the way. And so we're like, well, if I just know ahead of time, then I can be in control of it. Yeah. And it's natural to feel that way. I mean, there were times in my life where I just wanted to know with certainty that this was going to happen and then I'd be okay. And I, and I spoke those words. Like, if I could just know that this was going to work out, then I would be okay and I'd stop bugging you and I would just live my life and I would really serve you freely at that point because I just knew it was going to work out. But I think that at times, at times, again, I don't want to make it a blanket statement. At times, that may be a wrong motivation. Okay, so I think there's general agreement on that. Four, our desperation to hear from God often drives us to extreme measures. One of them is biblical roulette. You ever played biblical roulette? It works. It works? Sometimes. <laughs> biblical roulette is where you just go, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Just flip open the Bible and point your finger, right? And then it'll say something like, you know. And then he went into the next town and bought a donkey. And you're like, okay. Best two out of three, you know, and then you're like, do it again, right? We often do that. By the way, I know that we probably all know that that's not the right thing to do, and we've probably all done it at least once. Who hasn't done it? Raise your hand. <laughs> okay, that I believe, you know. I'm even ashamed of the ways that I've done it, all right? <laughs> I was much younger, but I still was pretty ashamed. Younger like high school, not like, you know, younger. You know, like last year. <laughs> but notice the rest of the statement. When we're desperate to hear from God, we'll take on desperate measures, and then when it doesn't work, we actually end up giving up, rather than seeking more mature ways. Uh, I might say this in a more 
a subtle way. Sometimes if we sit and we want to hear from God and it doesn't happen on our timetable, we give up. I don't know what your timetable is. You might say, well, I did it for a whole silent retreat. I did it for a year. You know, I was reading through the Old Testament once and I noticed that Jacob heard from the Lord as he was going on his way to work for Laban, his father-in-law. The next time Jacob, I mean, we say he's the God of Jacob, he should probably talk to Jacob once in a while. The next time that the Bible records that God spoke to Jacob was 20 years later. So our timetable may need some adjusting sometimes because we may want it on our schedule. We may think, I gave it a shot, I tried, I listened, I read a book, they told me how to do it, my friends did it, my friends told me they do it this way, and I gave up. Here's another thing I think we should look at. Some of us have tried to confine God's interaction with us to impressions and circumstances so that we could get away from the idea that God perceptibly communicates. And I use those words very intentionally. What do we mean by impressions? Some people believe that the only way that God speaks to us is by feelings that we get inside, kind of like I got an impression that this is not the right way, or I got a feeling inside somewhere. Or we play the circumstances game. Well, close that door, that clearly must not be his will. I'm not saying that he can't use circumstance. In a moment, I'm going to talk about overusing circumstance. But what I'm trying to say here is that even if he speaks to you through some sense or impression or some circumstance, many of us prefer to just say, and that's the only way he does it. That explains why I don't hear anything. He's not perceptibly communicating. In other words, in a way that I could actually feel is real communication. I just get these feelings and I just get these circumstances in my life. And that's God speaking. And that, I would say, goes back to that first one, which is, Dallas Willard's opinion would be, if you're really friends, if you really have the relationship that we think and we describe about God, it should be a little bit more than just some impersonal senses or some impersonal circumstances that are God's answer. You should be able to perceive him communicating with you as real communication. And that one I think we're going to have to spend some time trying to figure out. Because that's a pretty big claim. And so it kind of comes out like this. God is conversational. He speaks to individuals as it's appropriate. So probably when he thinks it's right to do so. And that's to be expected among friends who truly know one another. Let me just quickly give you some overemphases that we look at. We did mention some of these in our previous discussion on prayer, but I want to point them out there because... If we're going to be looking for a conversational approach, I just want to point out that God speaks in other ways and we're not going to spend a lot of time on these, but we should in fairness raise them so that we're not focusing exclusively on one thing as if the others didn't exist. God does speak directly in an audible voice. Morgan's already mentioned one that's recorded in Scripture. When he just says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, we hear the audible voice of God, or at least it's recorded. We believe that the written word is a way for God to speak to us. That's another way that He speaks. We know in Scripture that we see people who receive messages through angelic visitation. We know there are people that are recorded to receive visions. 
people who get dreams, and by the way, the differences, visions, are usually when you're awake, seeing a vision of some kind before you, as opposed to when you're sleeping, you're receiving something as a dream, often that may need interpretation of some kind. God spoke through the prophets and said, you, go tell them this. And that prophet would repeat, thus says the Lord, or the Lord says this, and speaks to a people as an emissary of the Lord speaking what he's been told to relate to the people. And the one that I don't think we think about very much, although we might say it, is deliberation. It's what we do in this room. Deliberation is that act when believers come together to discuss and to deliberate and to come to an answer. You see it modeled throughout Acts. As the church comes together routinely, not just in councils, but even to decide which way to go on missionary journeys, even when they decide how they should react in the church together, You'll often see the language that they came together. We thought it best that. We deliberated. We discussed. And that's exactly what Exodus is modeled on. It's modeled on the idea that every single one of us has the Spirit of God in us and that when we deliberate in this room and when we wrestle against what it is that we're learning, the truth comes out because of the deliberation. God speaks even through people pushing back against one another until we reach some sort of consensus to our deliberation. So deliberation is a way, and you might know it in another form. You might have been told if you want to make a decision or you want help in something and find wisdom, go find a trusted person. Go find two or three trusted people. Sit with them and have them deliberate with you, although that word may not have been used. They may have used some more Christianese word, you know, like go and be mentored by them. You know, go and sit in the corner and journal with them. Whatever the thing is, you know, like Whatever the thing is that we adopt, what you're really doing is deliberating. You're hoping that they speak into you and that one against the other, that a consensus develops that we trust is the best wisdom that comes, not just from our own human wisdom, but from the Lord and the Spirit wrestling with us. Okay? Those are ways that it happens. And to kind of close it out, here are three kind of places where we might take it a little too far sometimes. We already talked about the message a minute view. That's the view that hearing from God, even conversationally, is intended to tell me every minute what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to wear, what I'm supposed to eat. Of course we would never get that ridiculous. Right? We would save it for the really big things like, what's the answer to this question on the test? Or what's the, what's the thing I should do next? Or, you know... Which, which one should I go to or those kinds of things? And then at some point we realize, like I said, even if we say I'm only going to seek those things on the big items in my life, I don't think we have the wisdom or the knowledge of our whole life story arc to know what a big decision is. So that's probably looking too much at hearing from God, and I would say for the wrong purpose. I would say for the wrong reason. Here's another view. Yes, God speaks through His Word, but some people go, look, the Bible is the final word on everything. You might have heard it this way. The only book you'll ever need is the Bible. It has the answer to every single thing you'll ever need. If you've heard that, it comes probably from a well-meaning place. But how many of us actually believe that? Anyone believe that? No? 
I mean, I don't think we feel that because I think that the whole reason that we seek out conversation with the Lord in addition to wanting to feel loved and to be in his presence is oftentimes because we think this doesn't give me the answer to everything I want to know. It certainly doesn't tell me who to marry. Oh, actually it might. Sorry, it might tell you who to marry. Remember in high school where they told you to go to the back of your Bible and write down the attributes of the person you want to marry? Remember that thing? So I might actually still be in there. You know, he plays the guitar and he loves the Lord. And he looks just like the Lord. Yeah. Whereas flip-flop looks just like my junior high pastor, but he's not married yet. So if that's in there, then maybe the Bible does answer most of the things we need to know. Third, this is subtle. We don't always think about this one. This is the whatever comes view. This is really an overplay of circumstances. Some of us think, you know the way the Lord speaks? Is whatever happens, that's his will. So if I want to know the answer, well, I didn't get the job, it's not his will. That may be, but what if you didn't get the job because you blew the interview? There are lots of reasons that things don't happen. There are lots of reasons that things do happen. And it's very, very dangerous to say, well, God is speaking through every circumstance. It means something. You know what? Sometimes earthquakes just happen. Sometimes we don't get a job. Sometimes relationships don't work out. Sometimes people die. Things happen, and the Lord allows them to happen. So we can't rely on circumstance to be the answer in every case. I'm not saying that God can't be behind circumstance. I, I'm not even saying that you can't pray to the Lord and say, Lord, there are two choices here before me. Close off the one that you don't want. I'm not saying that would be a bad prayer. But I think to bank on the fact that if it were to close, then you absolutely have 100% knowledge that that was the Lord giving you an answer is difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's difficult to make that conclusive of a determination. So seeing God as communicating instructions every minute that we're supposed to be receiving and living with Him making all the decisions for us so that we could never be wrong is not the God that we serve, nor are we the creation that He created at that point. And we do need to hear from the Lord if for no other reason, at least in Dallas Willard's view, because we have a relationship with Him and it would be weird if we claimed we were friends but said the only thing that ever mattered was written in some book somewhere and we have nothing else to say to one another. Or you would call that Facebook. Either one. <laughs> and lastly, just depending on circumstance to solve every question is probably an over-reliance on that. These are going too far. Notice I use too far, not like they're always wrong. But we need to be careful of them. So here's the question. Just leave it here tonight. If all of those things are true or we've at least started to wrestle with them. And if we are looking for a conversational relationship with God, as Dallas Willard recommends, what does that look like? How often does that occur? How do we hear from God? How do we know when it's our own thoughts that are going on as opposed to God speaking? How do we know that when we ask him how his day is, that it isn't us filling in the answer. How do we know it's from God? And what is our part in this and what is God's part? I'm going to leave it right there with that question and come back and begin to answer it. So we're going to continue that question 
before we then bring in a different perspective to see if that pushes against what we're building here and produces something that we might take away. Okay? Let's leave it there and close in prayer. Lord, as we deliberate in this room, I pray in confidence that your spirit is here and is speaking in each person. Lord, in your sovereignty, you even knew who was going to be here tonight. In your sovereignty, you know the things that we're wrestling with. And I trust that as you put together all of our collective experience, all of our collective struggles, all of our collective questions, and even the positive things that you've given us to relate to one another, I pray that the mixture of all those things, Lord, produces in a form of deliberation the truth that gives us a clue as to how to begin to answer this question. Thank you, Lord, for letting us meet in this place. Thank you for the people who have come to share their experience with one another and grow deeper. Lord, may we use this for the benefit of others. May we help others with what we've learned here tonight so that they can begin a more conversational relationship with you if that is what you will for us. Pray this in your name. Amen.